Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. The best thrillers, the thriller zone. Well, what's happening? So I'm heading up the E5 from San Diego to Los Angeles. And to be more specific, Glendale. Where today, I'm going to sit down with the immensely talented Chris Hottie. Now, if you know Chris, you know that his first book was Deep State. I'm not going to rattle through all of them because there's just too many to tell. But we're going to sit down in the studio with an old friend of mine, Jonathan Ayala, who runs a, a media company out of Glendale. So this is going to be my little bit of a preamble intro to the show as I go sit down with one of my favorite people on the planet. And I mean that. Chris is just, he's old school and I dig every bit of it. So why don't you and I get into the Thriller Zone? So I'm driving up here to see you in Los Angeles. Glendale, to be specific. But close to Pasadena. It's Pasadena adjacent. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm coming up, and I recorded my intro to the show, which is what you just saw. Did you like that opening? Was It, it kind of hit you, did a little bit? It did. It yeah. was exciting. I was enticed to listen more, and I also questioned your driving safely <laughs> while, you know, we're not even supposed to text, David, let alone shoot promos. Well, here's the, good, here's the good news. So I can put your mind at ease. And it was a two-camera shoot. So I have my phone, my cell, you know, my cell phone on, yes. attached to the window, not hurt. I don't have to touch it. And then another one mounted for, to my sunroof, which is, anyway. Welcome to the show. It's, dude, I just want to do something different for you and me. Face to face. Face to face. Look at, there's no virtual, there's no ethernet. It's, we're here in the room. Think about this. The show started just shy of two years ago when this drops. And this is the first face-to-face. -face. The first? I in, I inaugurated the face-to-face. -face you did. Thriller Zone. Yes. I'm excited. You put the cherry on the top. Now, I will say we've gotten great feedback from the one that you and I did when you're sitting out on your back porch, which I got to see today, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, I remember that day because we started out like, hey, can we just do it this way? And I'm like, yeah. And then you said, let me go get some coffee. Yeah, we took a coffee break. <laughs> kept the camera rolling. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I like to do this show. Yeah. We always have a good time. We do. And I'm so glad you agreed to do this. So we're going to be talking about this beautiful book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, the devil. You know. Oh, yours is pretty. Oh, yours is. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcover. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There is so much I want to say. We've got just shy of an hour because we got to scoot down to Altadena so I can read a little excerpt. Hey, did you know that I wrote a book? I did know that, and I, I have it in my possession, and I'm going to be reading it very soon. I'm going to hold you to that. Devour. Yes, thank you. By David Temple. Yes. I do want to make this all about you, but I got to tell you something. I, I'm going to shoot out of the gate with this. This is your best work yet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Now, when I read Deep State, which was number one, which was only four years? January uh, 3rd, 2020. Yeah. Not even four years. Okay. Right before the pandemic hit. A matter of fact, that's right, because I was at Thriller Fest 2019, and I saw ARCs out on it. Yes. And... I was like, who is this guy? And what is this book? Because it was an inverted Capitol building, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. That got my attention because, you know, I'm a fanatic for covers. And then I read that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Who is this guy? Fresh, original, woman protagonist written by a guy, which I thought was really cool. Um, had all the information that you need without giving me everything. And I, I'm hesitating because I don't want to call any names. Here's my point. You and I, we've developed enough friendship. I can just sh tell it like it is, right? Yes. 
there are guys, gals, who give me too much. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I applaud you for that. Well, coming from the world of screenwriting, um, if you gave too much, they wouldn't read past page three. So I learned early on in my writing career to keep things succinct. Yeah. And what's interesting, it there's only I only know this because I've studied a little bit of screenwriting and I've written four, one only one of which went anywhere, but it's such a specific talent. And uh what's interesting, I've never read any of your screenplays, but I would love to because I would love to break down and see how your storytelling works in that form. <coughs> um but you bring that sensibility to your writing. So you, you set up enough of the scene. I think what I'm trying to get at is you let me do some of the work. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, sp- you don't have to tell me everything. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to show too much of the shark too often and yeah. too early. Yeah. What is the saying? What, explain this to me. I had the hardest time understanding this phrase, but you're good at this. And for my listeners who don't know exactly what this phrase is, you'll be able to describe it. Show, don't tell. Oh, well, um, it's revealing stuff, whatever your ideas are or whatever information you're trying to impart instead of obviously telling your reader, it's showing them through, you know, a gun on the table. Yeah. Uh, the way a guy repeatedly might be scratching his forehead in the course of a conversation or any of those little um, unexpected details that will convey yeah. the information that you're trying to convey in an interesting Hopefully, I, I think, cinematic way. Haley Chill has become one of my favorite characters because, well, first of all, ask my wife, Tammy. Is You, you know Tammy. I do. <laughs> I like her better than you. Folks, I was going to say, the next thing he's going to say is he, li- she, he likes her so much better than me. <laughs> so when I think about Haley, uh, I think about you know, she's short, she's cute, but she's an ass-kicking machine. She's not taking any guff, and I like that. Uh, I'm an underdog fan, so I always see her as kind of the underdog, but she's not to be messed with. And she's a deeper state operative, which, in case you don't know what that is, uh, we're repeatedly told about that in the show, in, in the book, rather. And she is so fun, but the we were talking before we started the show about, I'm like, did she always have the profound battle with booze? I mean, I remember she used to dial it in early on, but she seems to really be. Well, she uh, is a supremely focused and typically disciplined character. She... There's not a lot of fluff or frills or distractions in her life. She's very dedicated to her ideals and her mission. But if she was like that all of the time, then she would be a robot and a machine. Um, And so when she is in need of some kind of um, release, it usually, up until this book... It would take the form of going to a bar, usually, and drinking copious amounts of tequila, and then uh, generally fighting or fucking somebody, or both. Um, So, you know, I think it's in each book. Yeah, I think it isn't. Well, it's not so much in Storm Rising, because there's another complication in her personal life that really... Uh, prevents her from drinking. And I need to think about that for a second, whether or not she does drink that much in Storm Rising. But um, uh, it all comes to a head in this new book, in The Devil You Know. And uh, 
we see a real turn in that behavior uh, that will describe a new path, a personal path for, for yeah. Haley. Um, anybody who's had a, a challenge with depression or an overuse of booze will really understand some of the deeper nuances and the emotional torture that she's going through because um, uh, I have been in similar places in my life. And I was like, yeah, I understand that where you're just thinking about how, where, where you can sneak a little pop and to get you to over here. And then, oh, it gets you through it. And you're like, oh, that, that'll do it. And mm-hmm. then it never does it. And then it takes more and more and more. Fortunately, but, I haven't, I don't have that problem. Uh, but my father was an alcoholic and, uh, and a good friend of mine is an alcoholic, but long in recovery. But I was fortunate enough to, to be able to talk to her and get some ideas about uh, some of the things that Haley is going through in this book. Yeah. Well, Try and you, get it right. You know, you don't want to screw that up. And I've known a few people like that and you, you nailed it and you did, but you didn't, you didn't glorify it and you didn't overdo it. Mm -hmm. You know, you did just enough. Like, again, not to blow smoke up your skirt, but it really is. The thing about this book is it's nuanced and it's balanced. One of my absolute favorite aspects. And I had forgotten because, you know, I'm, I'm reading a lot of books, Chris. So keeping everybody straight is sometimes a challenge, but April woo, love me some woo. (laughs) <laughs> now I don't know how I feel about that tagline but, but uh, well it's just so interesting how you came up I don't know about the time I say this somebody's going to write me and go well Dave don't you know that so and so did that but where did this come from Because, first of all explain who April Wu is and why she's so key central to the story and why it's so interesting. Well, um, again, you need to, especially with a character like Haley Chill, who seems so isolated and unadorned, you, you, you know, there needs to be ways to pull her out of the mission, you know, besides going to bars and drinking copious amounts of tequila and fighting and fucking her both. So... You know, early on in the series, uh, you know, I developed April Wu as a both a rival and a and a friend um, of of Haley's. And at the end of book three, there's a rather dramatic twist. Mm-hmm. Which shall I discuss that twist? I uh, I think you should only from the standpoint of it, it, it would interest me. You know, you're. I don't think it's a big reveal in this book. Generally speaking, I think if you you're picking up the devil, you know, you've read the Storm Rising book number three in the series, and that's where we reveal throughout book three, April Wu periodically turns up during the story. Right, and. It's not till the very end that we learn that she's actually been appearing in the story and in Haley's company as an apparition. Yeah. And that, in fact, she had uh, died uh, as a result of an accident that occurred near the end of book two. All these things fit together. Yeah. Um, people really liked that character. I heard from readers, yeah. both in, you know, from the beginning, that people really responded to April Wu because she was such a uh, contrast to to Haley, and so um, I can't remember at this point. It was a couple few few years ago when I came up with the idea of of making her uh, something that wasn't actually reality yeah. in Haley's life, and um, so it accomplished, you know some pretty obvious goals. One is I can keep her in the series. Um, and I'll, most of the other authors in this genre have, you know, it's not just one, I mean, it's not just one 
character. There's usually a, a, a cast of revolving characters around your central protagonist. So I could keep her in, in that um, in the series, even though she suffers this dramatic <laughs> and untimely demise, but also because she's a I'm going to say the word, the G word, ghost. Uh huh. Um, but let me, I'll circle back to that in a second. What also, what, you know, because she takes that form, she can appear anywhere, yeah. at any time, yeah. wherever Haley goes. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me was just a brilliant solution to, to the problems of like, well, how the hell do you explain, you know, so and so turns up in Paris, France or whatever? Yeah. So, what I do explore in The Devil You Know is, you know, I, I'd leave it open to interpretation exactly what April Wu is. Uh, is she um, is she the angel on, on Haley's shoulder right. or is it that shoulder, the devil on her, whichever? Um, is it just kind of some aspect of Haley's you know, inner voice, whatever it dark is. Side or um, yeah, not so much dark side. Yeah. I mean, it's just another side. Yeah, because because Haley can be somewhat two dimensional, despite all you know what we've already talked about in terms of her alcoholism and and um, and her friendship with Haley with uh, April Wu. So far, at least in this series, there's just not a whole lot more going on in her life because she's very. I wanted to create this very single-minded character. Um, she runs. We know that she runs. You right. know that, but that's a solitary uh, activity. Obviously, um, she boxes and 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 exercises and keeps physically fit. Again, relatively um, solitary activities. So. Um, I've forgotten what your question was, but hopefully I answered it. At you some did, point. and I was going to say there. There's two of my favorite things about this book. That's it's hard hard to say. First of all, uh, I'm going to make a mention of uh, your third chapter. I'll get to that in a second. But I love April Rule Wu, and that's so brilliant because if you ever need something explained, she's there to do it. If you need just a little bit of uh, levity in the yeah. moment, yeah. the levity in a really crisis situation is so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's like it's it's almost an alter ego. I love the contrast because that's another reason it works so well. But another thing you do, and I, I've told you this before, I made a note. I'm going to steal it. I already told you I'm going to steal it. Okay, is your signature foreshadowing that you do at the end of chapters, and you do it so well. I, I, I don't know of anybody who does that. When you do it, I always go, oh, here comes the foreshadowing, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know why I dig that so much. Because what you're doing is that here's a character in the scene, and then you go, what, you, what you're implying is what you don't know is John in 10 years will do this, but in 22 years he did this, and that was his demise. And I'm definitely going to steal that. Mm-hmm. I want to let you... I'm going to write a contract right now. That, uh, that's fine. You're, that's as long as you kind of reference me in some way. But I, I haven't, I haven't seen it done before, and so far I haven't seen anyone do an, a, a version of it yet. But um, yeah, I, I love doing that. I mean, yeah. if I'm doing my job and you, as a reader, are hooked into a character and care about a character, personally, I want to know, you know what happens to them. It just is satisfying. Sure. Um, and plus, I usually will, I'll make a point of mentioning how, look, if they're interacting with Haley Chill and they're, they are in one of my books, it's probably in a moment of extreme drama or crisis. <laughs> so this is a big moment in that person's life. Right. And Haley's a part of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So usually in those foreshadowings, um, I will mention something about if that character, you know, how Haley Chill potentially changed the direction of their life. And sometimes I, I might say that she didn't at all, that they didn't ever think about her again, but they, they were part, they shared this moment of, 
of extreme dramatic crisis. Um, not everybody loves the the device. Um, you know, there's, I don't know. But, but who cares? Well, I mean, who cares if not everybody? I want to be loved by everybody, honestly. Well, but, but you're not going to be. <laughs> I'm not going to be. So I give up on that goal and, yeah. and go ahead and do it. And it fluctuates from book to book um, how much I put in there. But I think there's... There are two there are two versions of it in this book uh, that were, for me, almost two of the most emotional moments in the book are foreshadowing of two different, very disparate characters. Uh, one thing I would also say about this book while we're on the topic of this book, I mean, while we're talking about it, is the extreme violence. I don't... I'm sure the other books were violent, uh, but this one just felt uh, the cartel activities. Now, there was a lot more reference than actually happening, but it led me, it led my mind down some paths. I'm like, did people really do that? Um, I had a note here when I got to chapter 25, Javier's story, 10 days earlier, Christmas Day. And I'm just reading this, and it's told, it's in italics, so I'm trying to remember why it was italics. It's italics because uh, presumably he's telling the story to another one of the younger cartel guys, and all, all the, everything that's said in Spanish, but is translated for the reader, is in italics. Perfect, okay. If it's Spanish and not translated, it's in Roman. Got it. I just put this big word, sick, on it. And... This happens, doesn't it? This well, I don't want to. I don't want to go into like the specifics of it okay. because uh, I think, you know, I've tried to, you know, hopefully people will go. Oh my God! When just wait till you get to chapter twenty-five, and they'll go, oh, what happens? And yeah. people will go, oh, just wait until you get there. So I don't want to talk. But about, it, yes, this w- does happen. Yes, absolutely. Oh. See, it's it's breathtaking. I mean, it's disturbing, and it's worth the price of admission. Well, that was my intent. Yeah. Um, so I won't say what it is. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I was I, I, honestly, I was, I had some uh, reservations. Uh, is that the word? Probably not reservations. It was apprehension. Apprehension. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was apprehension about including it. Um, but I knew I want. Look, the the main device, the main threat, is something that we've seen before. Yeah. And so, not often, but we've seen it before, and we've read about it before. The main event, and again, I'm being purposefully vague because I want people to read it fresh without a lot of uh, expectations. Um, I just needed to turn the screw again, you know, because if people think like, oh, okay, you know, I've... I remember reading. I mean, it's based on a actual, the the main event. Right, is based on a act, news event that happened. I don't know about twenty years ago, fifteen yes. years ago here in California. Um, and if people get there and they think that's horrible, and they're experiencing some of that visceral anxiety, anxiety yeah. and dread, and then if you hit them with like. Oh, you think that's bad? Right. And that's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> but I had apprehension about it. And um, and that section that you're referring to, chapter 25, could have been easily excised without changing really anything. Yeah. But I wanted to, I wanted it there because I I present the members of this cartel gang who are responsible for uh, a lot of the mayhem that occurs in the book, I'm giving you a lot of their character. Yeah. And I'm giving you um, uh, a lot of backstory. And they don't do anything really very horrible, violence-wise, until the end of the book. Yeah. So... Before that point, I want the reader to understand, like, okay, I've shown you these these guys as being fairly banal 
ordinary dudes, but they're capable of this violence. And, and luckily, um, my wonderful editor agreed that it was a, a good addition to the book and wholeheartedly endorsed keeping it in. Let's give props to your editor. Emily Bessler. She is a magnificent human being. And editor. She, I met her at Thriller Fest. I hear nothing but glowing reviews. And you told me something in confidence. And I wonder if it's cool to tell it. Because I was so impressed with this. I told this to Tammy. And she's like, wow, those people exist? People like that exist? And I'm like, according to Chris. And that was... I think you're referring to the the idea, um, and I've heard this said about Emily from another author, and I may have even heard Emily essentially confess this truth uh, during a book event in Savannah, Georgia, and that was that when she buys a book— She's not investing in a title, any particular book or title. She's investing in the author. So good or bad, whatever that you know book might do in the future, she is she believes in the person who created that book. And despite whatever the vagaries of the business, of you know whatever, however that book is received. She's, you know, she is invested in what that author might do in the future. That's so impressive. It's it's heartwarming, not to get old-fashioned, but it's, you just don't see that these days. It's, you know, if your bottom line isn't working, love you, mean it, sorry you're out, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I consider myself very fortunate to yeah. be with, with Emily Bessler. Man, kudos. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got a couple of words that you really like. (laughs) (laughs) Too much? (laughs) Uh, You be the judge. And two things that I find thriller writers have started, I'm starting to see more of it, and I wonder why. So we're with Chris Hottie. The book is The Devil You Know. We'll be right back on The Thriller Zone. Today's episode is sponsored by The Story Factory and the upcoming visionary genre-bending debut novel, Grand Theft AI by James Cox. In San Francisco 2051, kids now get high-slotting wafers of data under the ear, and they'll pay fat crypto for the best at the hottest club in the city, The Fang. Thief Baz Covain and underworld fixer Rhea Rose team up with a crack group of cyber misfits to steal from the Fang's psychotic kingpin, Otto Rex. But first, they'll have to hack into his mind and infiltrate his highly secure lair of physical and virtual firewalls. It's a score that could set them up for life, if they can survive before Blackhawks touch down with federal warrants for Grand Theft AI. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available for pre-order now. And now, back to the show. Hey, folks. Welcome back. Chris Hottie, the devil you know. David Temple here, Thriller Zone, talking about a couple of words that Chris really, really likes. I'm about to leave. (laughs) How do I take this microphone off? Oh, that's right. I'm not wearing one. No, uh, Deeper State Operative. We talked about this last, was it last book or the book before? Um. I'm, I got to bust your chops on something every once in a while, right? I mean, it can't be all sugar and spice and unicorns, right? Oh, it could be. Uh, okay, <laughs> we'll go back to sugar and spice. Why do I do that? Or is it... I thought I, I did it a lot in book three. Maybe that's... Well, yeah, Storm Rising. So here we go. Deep State, Savage Road, Storm Rising, the devil you know. Storm Rising is when I really first know... I don't, I don't know... Well, Deep State... I would never have known differently. Well, that's because it's not revealed until the very end right. of the book. Then Savage Road, didn't think about it, but Storm Rising is when the conversation started. I'm like, boy, you really like that phrase, deep state operative. And then with this one, I started underlining. After a, a, about the point, I was like, Jesus, he's still doing that? I started underlining it. <laughs> I'm giving you a little bit of grief. It's not that many times, but you know when you get something in your head and then also every time you see it, you're like, oh, he's doing it again. That's one of them. 
The other is strode and scrum. Strode. Strode. They strode. He strode. Huh. Instead of walked. Okay. Crossed the room. Strode. Strode. Lots of strode. I did not know there was a lot of strode in there. I'm going to have to go back and count those. Doesn't matter. Scrum. Scrum. A lot of scrum. Is a great word. It is a scrum. I didn't know what scrum was until... Yeah, I know. I should know that, but that's my ignorance. Okay. Bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of people. And, and bunch it implies a certain amount of kind of a, a little bit of a, more than just a crowd. It, they're, it, it implies Not a gaggle. Some, it's like a gaggle. Yeah. yeah. I always liked gaggle. Gaggle's another one. Maybe I should alternate between <laughs> scrum, or maybe I can combine <laughs> the two words and make a scraggle. A scraggle. A scraggle. I got Jonathan to laugh. Thank goodness. Can we just call it a, I mean, we can, we, that's, that's it. Folks, thanks for coming. <laughs> Take care. Webster, Merriam-Webster, please. We're going to- Scraggle. Yeah. I invented, that's another thing that I brought to the genre. And to the Thriller Zone. You yeah. heard it here first, folks. Yeah. New, new language being created on a podcast. Yeah. In Glendale, California. And here's a question. The first, I don't remember the first, I think the first time I read it, I want to, somebody's going to call me on this. I, Brad Thor is the first person that pops in my head when I recall this phrase. And I'm going to, I hope I'm saying it right. Eidetic memory, right? Yes. Okay. Vivid retention of visual images. I seem to see that popping up more and more now. As a device? As a device. Now, I'm not calling you divisive. I'm just saying... (laughs) Uh, and, and I like it, but I'm like, because it's one of those, th- those I'm going to call it a trick. It's one of those things that I, tricks that I go, ooh, I like that. It's kind of like April who isn't there. It's that thing. It's a superpower that you give somebody that is available. It is true. does happen. Mm-hmm. And I dig it. Mm-hmm. Are you making an observation? Or I'm making an observation, yeah. and I'm saying I'm seeing it more pop up more often in more and more writers. Uh-huh. So I'm like, you know, if I say, all right, let's go with uh, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher is big, and he can knock you out with a punch. If all of a sudden, that might, might be a not be the greatest example but if you if you were really big and you oh i can knock you out with one punch that's okay that's great superhero you're not going to have a superpower of i can look through that wall but eidetic memory is something that you can go ooh that's a clever thing that and i wonder if you could get it and lose it like you'll hear sometimes oh chris got hit on the head and mm-hmm. now he has a magnificent he can see, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I intentionally developed Haley as, in what was, in my opinion, a fairly every woman, not a superwoman. Right. Um, now, some people, especially in the earlier books, some readers have said, oh, you know, She's just a superwoman. I'm really perplexed by that uh, reaction and critique because um, she really doesn't have much at her disposal in the way of her own powers or a, you know greater power behind her, like some big super duper spy agency or the FBI or NSA or anything. She she generally solves her problems much in the way that I would solve those problems, you know. Uh, I, But I did decide to give her one special skill or talent with the memory. Um, but I don't think it really, it's, you know, it, she doesn't wear it like a cape. No, that's she true. She only pulls it out, you know, once or maybe twice in a in a book and I would be surprised if people would even mention that uh, uh, skill or gift if they were a reader, a, a, a fan, was describing Haley Chill to 
another, you know, uninitiated yeah. reader. I think they would leave that out. I don't I just yeah. don't think it's a big but I think in every book it barely makes um it barely makes its presence known in this book except for like she remembers a license plate number and, yes. and mentions and, it to the fellow who's helping her. And said, well, I saw it. He goes, how do you remember that? Yeah. Well, I saw it. And that's yeah. it. And yeah. then she she kind of goes out of her way to say like, oh, she didn't, you know, she kind of hides this skill. She right. doesn't really want to get into it because she finds it a distraction to yeah. getting the job done. And by the way, I like it. I like, uh, it's a it's a great little device. And and you it's like, if you were using it in every other chapter, then I'd go, oh, geez. Like, yeah. But, and to that same point, like Tammy and I were watching a show the other day, um, The Citadel. And one thing that some television does that, you know, fortunately thriller writers don't do is that you'll have these guys going, they're skiing down a hill. They have submachine guns. There's four of them. All you have to do is go, <laughs> and you know that the guy, even though he's crisscrossing, he's going to get hit. But he doesn't get hit, and he'll turn around while he's skiing, poom, 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 and with a nine millimeter, pick them off. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Because now I'm insulted. Because really, that's not going to happen. So sometimes what I'm getting at is when you see a, a trick or a device like this and you use it sparingly, I go, oh, great. It's not a super, super power, but it's a great power and it's unique and it's cool. All right, here's the second one that I'm going to get off of that is the uh, Echoic Registry, which that one I did not know, which is a recall audio vents yeah. in Vivid. That's amazing. Have you ever met anybody with that ability? To, so basically you hear something and you, you remember it wholesale, right? I have not. Wow. Yeah, I just, uh, I think I, I did a bit of research and I think those two uh, abilities sometimes go hand in hand and so you know just for the pure sake of avoiding repetition i thought you know to provide some elaboration or development on this aspect of her character yeah well i want to kind of start the wrap up by saying i thoroughly enjoyed this book I mean, it was it. It started off like the very first opening. I'm going to go to one thing. Yeah, I mean, this opening line, prologue. When he walked into the living room, Martin Barnes's roving gaze stopped abruptly on the exclamation point of blood splattered across the white tree skirt that never looked like snow anyway. With one sentence, you've painted such a great open. You make me instantly go, what, who, where, blood, what? Chris? Oh, Christmas, oh, right? Mm -hmm. And and the skirt of, well, it, it never looks like so anyway. That's, so it, it, it starts out of the ga gate with a bang. Um, it keeps going, but boy, your third act, that's what I was telling you on the phone the other day. I'm like, dude, this third act, I, my palms were sweating and I was like, wow, he's really, he's pushing it between the, hairpin turns of these uh, roads and uh, the chases and the when you get to the windmills at the I mean it's packed full of it well it's interesting that you describe it as a third act as if it's a screenplay or a Sorry. or a film but that's, no I mean it's it that's how I write them yeah. you know I, I I can't shake the three over three decades of screenwriting that I that I've done um so you know, it is. I, I don't, I could, I mean, you know what the plot point is, and I know what the plot point is that that divides the second act from the third act. I don't really want to bring it up no. on this podcast. No. But, um, and then there was one other thought I had when you were just talking about that. Oh, um, well, it, it's good to hear that you responded. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting all choked up. I'm a little emotional right now. Um <laughs> To hear you respond that way, because it, it was a departure, certainly not from the series, but from the third book. The third book 
I had written in the depth of the pandemic and, and we were all going through some shit yeah. as a collectively as a country then. And, and lots of storms rising. Lots of, so that, that book very much reflected, um, uh, those times. And I'm really proud of that book. And I, and I, I love some of the things that I did in it, but after finishing it, I really needed to do something different. Um, and what I was determined to do with The Devil You Know was write something that was not as difficult. Um, it's not politically. It was very topical. Storm Rising was very topical. Yes. And there's some kind of topicality. Is mm -hmm. that a word? Yeah. I'm throwing that out. Uh, it's pro that's not a new word like scraggle, scraggle. right? Yeah. Um, scraggle. I mean, any book about this, you know, suddenly, you know, Supreme Court justices, um, suddenly, once again, mm -hmm. my book has become topical, but it's not in the same way. Um, you know, it's almost you know the Supreme Court justices and pra practically a MacGuffin. Um, I just wanted to write a, a straight up thriller that just took readers. It's a it's a it's an abused word in our genre, but a, a literal thr thrill ride. So, yeah. um, it's good to hear that it, I potentially could have uh, succeeded and delivered that that kind of just pure action, thrilling, dread inducing, uh, satisfying, <laughs> cathartic uh, uh, story with, like I said, with I think some real emotionalism, not just for Haley and what she's going through and her personal changes. Yes. Also, I think deliver some real emotional arcs with those, you know, subordinate characters. Well, there's two things I want to make sure I say. Um, and, and, and I mean this in a complimentary way. It's like, if, if I have friends come to me because they know I'm reading and interview, reading so many books and interviewing so many authors. And they say, well, how would you describe it? Just, dude, just give me a log line, right? Just give me one liner. And I'll go, bop, 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 bop. I'm like, this is the first time that I came up with a, and I don't have an official log line, but it's like, it felt like, and this is the perhaps one of the best compliments I can pay you. It felt like a female Jason Bourne movie. Mm. That's how it, and I love Jason Bourne movies. Mm -hmm. I've watched them, oh, I can watch them back to back continuously. Mm -hmm. And especially by that third act slash back end of the story and the little trigger that you have happened that I did not see coming. And I see, I generally see almost everything coming. I did not see that thing coming mm -hmm. that you do at the end. I'm like, I literally had to stop and like, and Tammy walked in the room. She goes, what? I'm like, well, I didn't see this coming. And now I'm perplexed how I did not see that coming. I should have seen it coming. I usually see them coming. And I didn't see it coming. So that was amazing. Let's close with this, with two things. Is Haley Chill going to come on back? I'm sure she's going to come back. Okay, good. Anything else you're working on that you'd like to tell my listeners of the Thriller Zone about? Uh... I'm working on my tan. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my... Looks so good. 100-yard 100, 100 butterfly. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm working on... Uh, what were you growing in the backyard you showed me earlier this oh, afternoon? Oh, I'm working on growing some uh, foxtail agave uh -huh. plants from seeds. We'll uh -huh. see how that... Yeah, I'm taking some time off. Good for you. Yeah. And are you doing that foxtail agave so that you can make your own tequila, you tequila nut? You know, I'll, I'll try that, but uh, I don't think that's the right agave okay. plant. And speaking of which, we'll be having will we be having agave at our little soiree this evening? I hope we are. Okay. We, I think it's definitely in our future. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll just leave it at that, and that you know we'll drink the tequila, but there won't be any of the. Right, we won't be doing the two. Yeah, because that would be terrible. That would be terrible. All right, I'm not going to ask my standard. No, I'm going to ask that because I I do that on every single show. I just did it the other day with the Don Winslow, my my buddy, and I, and that is, and I know you've told me before, but it's one of those great little. It's my signature close. Your best piece of writing advice. What I will not do is we won't do rapid fire questions because we gotta we gotta balance for right. our party. But 
you know, you run across, you've spoke, I love it, you speak at uh, bookstores and book signings and so forth, and a lot of avid writers go to those and they go, man, I, I get to sit down and listen to Chris Hottie talk about his book. And I'm like, what's one of the very first things they want to know is like, what's your, what's your secret sauce? What's your advice? What, what would you tell me as an aspiring writer? Hmm. And I know you got them, and I gave you enough tea-up time that you could have written a book <laughs> on that for crying out loud, so go ahead and take your time. Uh, advice to aspiring writer. Yeah, somebody who wants to be able to do what you do. Yeah. And do it as well as you do. It is a question that's asked of authors, and so there's several stock answers. And you know me, I always try to come up with something different and unexpected. Um. My advice would be, don't be boring. Hold on a second. I got to write that one down. Don't <laughs> be... Are we almost done? <laughs> Can you just close up when we're done? Don't be boring. Boring. Okay. Yeah. If you... And that call to Webster's, just put that on hold. <laughs> if you If you can... Look, people... It's... People's attention spans are shrinking by the day. By the day. And I, like I had intimated earlier in this sterling discussion, that um, I was trained and brought up in a world where people hated to read. And so I had, if I wanted to survive and keep paying the mortgage and send the kids to, to college. I needed to keep, I, I not only had to like keep a reader engaged, but I had to convince them to read past page three. Uh. And I think the same challenge exists in writing these things because there's a lot of these things out there. And I don't know how you shop for books, but if you're just wandering into a bookstore and you don't know already like what a great writer that Chris Hottie is, right. that you haven't listened or watched The Thriller Zone. Thank you. They might just open up a uh, the book to any old page. And that's what I do. I'm just going to open up any old page. I'm not going to open that first line, which is a good first line, but I'm going to open up in the middle. Yeah, because is this guy bringing it? Yes, every every page, or is yes. he going to like write me a great first line or first paragraph? Brilliant, and then just peter out. You know, phone it in. Yeah. So I look at this page. I just open it at random, chapter thirteen. What's the first line? Do it. It's a text message. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Shaw ignored the text. You know, it's like I'm already like hooked 100%. in. Yep. Um. So, not a lot of frazzle. Keep the scraggle to a minimum. I don't even know what that word means means anymore. Um, And be dynamic in your writing. Everything has to count. Everything has to be punchy and jump off the page. In sum, don't be boring. Yeah, don't be boring. Don't be boring. I think we're going to (laughs) do T-shirts Hashtag don't be boring. I'm telling you, it covers all bases. It covers all bases. Any, you know, write what you know or any of that stuff that you hear from don't be boring. Don't be boring. And then when you're, you're, hopefully there wasn't a boring moment in our podcast when you're talking about your books, when you're in everything, don't be boring. And and I didn't even bring up uh, Pantser and Plotter. So aren't you glad I didn't even I, bring that up? I, I didn't ask you which one you were. I just would have remained mute. Yeah. I just I'm I'm gone on strike with that question. I just don't answer. Yeah, it. we just don't do it. And you know what? Like Don Winslow said, I bring him up only because we were talking about him earlier. He goes, Every every sentence has got to pay rent. And right. I love that phrase. That's another that's a better yeah. that's a kinder, more poetic uh way of saying don't be boring. Yeah. But I like don't be boring, and that is gonna be our new hashtag. So uh, this was cool. This was fun. I mean, we we squeezed a lot in in 47 and a half minutes. Face to face. Face to face. Would you like to do this again? I, I love it this way. It's so much too. better. I'm sick of staring into my computer, Zoom, or 
any of those things. It's so much more fun to to be in the room. Yeah. Here's what I want to do, and this is this is almost in our after show notes, and I'm going to keep going because we're tight on time. If there was a way that Jonathan, my buddy, who is a media mogul, would be open to doing this, and I could just crank out multiples, that I would love to do this again. And you have author friends in this town. We could sit and yeah, dial it in. Even even more than one one on one, you could get a little, you know, roundtable. Well, now it's funny you should say that because I was talking to someone recently. All right, this is this is this is going to show uh, how my age. One of my heroes growing up, I loved listening to it before he became Ben Franklin. Wow, <gasps> is Phil Donahue? Huh. I, I, before he kind of went off the deep end, yeah. And then I replaced him with Charlie Rose because the magic of Charlie Rose, before things went kooky, is one-on-one, no frills, just two people talking. I love that, and I I would love to do more of it. Yeah. This way right here is magic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, David. How cool is that, folks? Chris Haughty. Such a good time. Always fun with Chris. That's the thing I like about this guy. And you don't find that with every author, but just to be able to shoot off the cuff. So thanks again, Chris, for making Haley Chill come alive. And I hate to use the cliches like page turner and, uh, you know, jump off the page, but it truly is that way. Pick up a copy, will you, for crying out loud? Do I have to come to your house and hunt you down? And folks, make it a good one. I'm David Temple. I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. Bam. Join us next week when the Thriller Zone welcomes Matthew Quirk, author of Inside Threat. Quick quick note. Hi to my second camera guy. (laughs) Oh, by the way, side point. The traffic going into San Diego. Glad I'm going the other way. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.